Hey, uh, rivalries are pretty fun, aren't they? Uh, they're, kind of, they're kind of incredible. We, we see rivalries in all certain aspects of life. We, we see them as cities, uh, cities like Barcelona and Madrid, Cambridge and Oxford, uh, Boston and New York. Uh, we see them in colleges, Alabama and Auburn, right? Army, Navy. There you go. I knew that would bring up a little thing here. Uh, for, for me, growing up in Tobacco Road, Duke versus Carolina, and when I say Carolina, I don't mean South Carolina, all right? That's South Carolina. If you're North Carolina, if you're from North Carolina, it's actually Carolina. That's the only one that counts. But anyway, um, <laughs> but there's basketball. You know, we have that. We have pro sports. Uh, we have the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, we have the Cardinals and the Cubs. And football, we have the Cowboys and the team that shall not be named. <laughs> yes. We'll talk about football season later on, guys. But anyway, we see that in pro sports, and, and here we see in politics. Democrats versus Republicans. Speaker of the House versus the President. Actually, in politics, it's everybody against everybody, right? That's the rivalry that we, we see and experience. But rivalries are all around us, and they're fun because there's sort of this tension that is there. We, we find this tension between these two people or these two groups, and, and normally when it comes to a rivalry, we, we pick a side. We're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this side. I'm going to choose this side, and and sometimes we smack talk and our team wins or our person wins and, and the smack talk goes a long way. Other times we get smack talk too because of our team losing or our person losing. But there's something kind of fun about these rivalries that we have. And again, they're all over the place. Today we begin a brand new series that's all about rivalries that's called Rivals. And over the next six weeks, we are going to look at six rivalries that we find in Scripture. Uh, some of these you may be very familiar with, some of them may be very obscure to you, but, but in them we see that there's these, this group of people or these groups of people or, or these individuals who, who have this rivalry between each other. And, and through it we see God at work. And sometimes God is doing amazing things in these stories. But of course, more than that, we see God working in our lives as we take a look at these events and we say, hey, this is what I can learn from this because of the rivals that are here. Today, as we begin this series, we're going to start at the very beginning. So we're going to be in Genesis. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. In fact, if you don't have a Bible at home, your Bible's ripped up, you know someone who needs a Bible, those Bibles are free. Take those, hand them out. That's why we have them there. Uh, you can open up your Journey Church app. You can follow along there, and you can also take notes on your program today. But we're going to look at Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, here is what we read, starting with verse 1. It says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. I think we all understand that. We don't need to go into the Hebrew. We're good. So here we go. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. This would have been huge, right? This has not happened before. And all of a sudden, now you have this kid, and it would have been this incredible, incredible miracle. And we see Eve responding in that way. Look at verse 2. It says, Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When our presidents have kids in the home, in the White House, we, we call them the first kids. I mean, these were literally, right? These were the first kids, Cain and Abel. Look at the rest of verse 2 through 5. It says, When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gifts, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Here we have Cain and Abel. 
these two sons, one is a shepherd and one is a farmer. One deals with sheep and one deals with crops. But as we, we look here, we, we see that they, they bring different aspects of what they have. Cain, it says, Cain brings some of his crops. And yet for Abel, it says, Abel brings the best portions of his firstborn lambs. Now, first, we see that both of these guys, they bring something. So this is kind of a, a neat uh, thing here that we see in Scripture. We, we don't see this before. They're bringing an offering to God. They're like, hey, God, this is for you. But yet, if we look at this right here, we find that God accepts Abel's gift, but he doesn't accept Cain's. The question is why? Why does God accept one and not the other? Well, I think there's two problems with Cain's gift. Some people say it's because he brought crops, that he didn't bring meat to God, but it's like God's a carnivore, but not a vegetarian, right? That wasn't the case at all. In fact, in the Old Testament, we see grain offerings were, were quite frequent, and people did this all the time. What we find here is that first, like I said, Cain brought some. He, he brought some of his crops, which means he brought his leftovers. He, he brought stuff that wasn't very important to him. And maybe it was stuff that was lying on the ground. Maybe it was stuff that's kind of stuck in his cave or barn, whatever he had, you know, kind of in the back, a little mildewy. Uh, it was just stuff that he was like, eh, I don't really going to use this. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to give it anywhere. So, so I'm just going to give this. So he gave some, right? But Abel gave something differently. Abel gave the best parts of the firstborn. I mean, he gave the lamb chops, man. He gave the good stuff that you want to eat. And he gives us to God. And so we find with Cain that Cain brought some, and that was one of the problems with his offering. But the other problem was, and the bigger issue was, his heart. Cain's heart was in the right place. Look at what it says here in verse, the rest of verse 5. It says, This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You ever heard the saying, uh, you wear your heart on your sleeves? Usually when somebody tells you that, that's not a good thing, right? It's usually a negative uh, response to you because they, they see something in you because of the emotions that, that you show. And so we see this here. God looks at, at Cain and is like, man, I, I see your emotions. I, I see your heart is on your sleeve. And he's like, why are you so angry? Why do you feel this way? Well, first we have this emotional issue that, that Cain has. There's this emotional disconnect that he has because it says he's mad. It says, in fact, it says he's very angry. He's very mad. And so there's this emotional response to what's happening here. But there's also this relational response. He's struggling relationally because God has said, hey, I don't accept what you gave. And so Cain actually puts up this divide between him and God. So now we see in the story, we have this emotional issue that Cain is struggling with. That anger, that, that, that mad feeling is there, that emotion is there. But there's also this relational struggle, this divide between him and God. And God sees this in Cain, and he responds to Cain. And in fact, he says, why are you so angry? What's going on, Cain? But then God gives Cain a next step in verse 7. Says this, says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. God's response right here to Cain is Cain, you've got to master your emotions, buddy. You've got to work on these. In fact, if you don't do something about this, if you don't change the way that you've responded here, you're going to make some really poor decisions. You're going to do something that you're going to regret. And so God's kind of given him this first step. He's given them this warning. He's like, Cain, here's what you need to do. And as we look here, we see how Cain responds to God's warning in verse 8. 
It says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, well, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. I look at that part of the story and I read this story. And if, if you've got kids and if you've got more than one kid, you, you know there's sort of this positive affirmation thing that happens. Where um, it's really hot up here, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I've sweat this much since I worked out this week. Woo! Anyway, and this is going to be great for my little illustration there in a second, so uh, you, you'll understand. But, um, but, but if we look at this, there's this positive affirmation that, that's going on here where, where Cain's looking for that. If you've got kids, you know, you're, you're encouraging the one kid and you're saying positive things to them. You're trying to help them along. If you've got another kid, what do they do? Don't they jump in? Like, Mom, Dad, what are you doing? Why are you saying that to them? Why don't you say it to me? And you might say, you know, I'll get to you later or shut up, get out of the room right now, whatever you do in your house. But, but you have that conversation, and you know that kid's looking for that positive affirmation. I think that's exactly what Cain was looking for from God. Like, hey, God, can, can, you, can you give me some positive affirmation? I mean, you, you rejected what I gave you. I mean, you're, you're showering all this praise on Abel, and yet for me, you're like, hey, you need to work on this. And so I think that's this tension that we find between Cain and, and Abel. And I don't know that Abel ever experienced that, but for Cain, it definitely was there. Like, God's picking favorites here. And so there was this tension, this rivalry that was built because of how God responded to what Cain and Abel gave here in our story. We could look at this story and we could talk about anger. We could talk about control. We could talk about emotions. Uh, but the reality is there's something bigger at play here with Cain and Abel. There's something bigger for you and I that we can learn and we can use in our own lives. And it actually goes forward a couple of thousand years in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it's known as the faith chapter. In verse 4, we find this. The writer says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And here we have this writer a few thousand years later, and he goes back and he comments on Abel. Abel, we only see him here for a couple of verses in Genesis chapter 4. We don't talk about him a whole lot more than that. But here we are a few thousand years later, and here's this writer who's saying, hey, you remember back to Cain and Abel. Do you remember that story that has been told for all the generations and what happened between them, that tension that was there? And Cain gave his leftovers, but Abel gave his best. And you know what? God loved it because he gave his best. He gave it from a place of faith and trust in God. He's no longer here, but that's okay because there's a lesson to be learned. And God saw that and said, Abel, Abel has my heart. I think as we look at this story of Cain and Abel, we have to ask ourselves the same question when it comes to faith and giving. What does it look like for us? How, how do we give? Is it given out of, of the leftovers we have or is it given out of the first that we have? Over the next few moments, I kind of want to talk about that, but I want to, I want to talk about this by doing a little bit of an illustration. Anybody in here like pie? Yeah, a few of you. Somebody whistled, so you really like pie, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like pie. It's not one of my favorite, but I do like pie. Now, my favorite pies come from a place called K&W Cafeteria. Anybody ever eaten there before? If you're Southern, you know this. If you're not, you have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, now, here, here's kind of the story. Let me tell you a little bit about K&W. But um, K&W's Cafeteria style, so you go and you get a tray, and you go along that little metal thing, and, you know, you push it along. But you walk in, and, and there's salad, so you can get a salad, which nobody really ever gets. <laughs> and then they always have these Jello blocks. Like, do people still eat Jello blocks? Because 
They've had them there since we lived in North Carolina, which was in the early 80s. I mean, Jello blocks have been a staple at KNW. So you can get Jello blocks if you want them, and I guess people still eat them. Then you go to the next part, and it's the meat section. I always got chicken pot pie. That was my favorite, so they'd pile it on a plate. And then the next section was vegetables, but not healthy vegetables, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's like sodium and more sodium, and let's put some beef, you know, beef in there and bouillon and bacon. And, okay, yeah, this is, these are beans. They're healthy for you, but they're not really... <laughs> So I'd always get mashed potatoes and gravy. Then there was the bread section. It's like, I don't want any bread. And, but then the desserts. And man, they have desserts. And they have these pies on these plates. And I, it's like a quarter of a pie. I mean, it's huge. And so when we first started going there as a kid, I was like, I want the chocolate. So I love chocolate. So I, I would always get the chocolate cream pie. It was about that tall, about that. I mean, again, it's huge. And I didn't even care about everything else. I just wanted to eat that. That was what I was there for. But then I went one day, and they didn't have that there that particular day, so I had to choose something else, which was a really hard decision. But um, there was coconut cream pie, and I never had that before, and I ate it. I was like, oh, this is the best. And so I started eating <laughs> coconut cream pie. So my plan was to actually have those pies here today to do this illustration. So I'd ask my parents. Our two youngest were down in North Carolina with my parents this week, and I was like, hey, can you guys get these four pies and bring them? They're like, sure. They called me yesterday morning before they left. like, hey, we got three-quarters of a pie left. Will that work for you? I was like, no. I said, that won't work. So I had to do the worst thing first. Let me, uh, let me dab my head a little bit. So I had to go to Shoppers, which if you know that their pies aren't really that great. But anyway, I got a couple pies here. And I just kind of want to go through something. I got a knife. Don't get scared. We have security all over the place, so you're good. But I got a couple pies here, and uh, I just want to kind of illustrate this here. This is uh, a nasty pie. <laughs> Strawberry rhubarb pie. And some of you like that mess. When I think of rhubarb pie, I always think of rebar for some reason. It probably tastes the same. And then I got an apple pie, which is, you know, whatever. But there wasn't a whole lot to choose from at Shoppers at 7.30 last night because my parents ate the other pies. But anyway. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of explain what we have here with Cain and Abel. And uh, through these pies, and again, these are little baby pies, but, uh, but first we have Cain's pie, okay? And so here's, here's how I want you to view this. This is kind of... Uh, I want you to view these pies as, and this is probably real small for here, this is your income, okay? This is your income, whatever your income is in your family, and this is income here. Now, here's how this works for, for Cain, okay? So I've got to get some plates out here. Um, Cain had his, his pie, and we have our, our pie. We have the income that we bring in, whatever that may be. And, and living in a place like this, we, we look at our pie, and we're like, okay, here's the deal. It's really expensive to live here, right? And so you got to have a house or an apartment or townhouse. You rent it. Maybe you, some of you, you own your place. And, well, basically, that's your whole pie, so you don't have... <laughs> You got nothing. It's, it's a lot, all right? Uh, so we're just going to say here that maybe it's, you know, I don't know. It's a big hunk. Uh, maybe about a third of your pie. Good thing about, ugh. That is gross. But anyway, there's your house payment, right? Your rent. And then you got utilities. If you live in Fairfax County, you got to pay Fairfax Water. You got to pay Dominion Energy, Washington Gas. Uh, maybe you got Verizon FiOS or Cox Cable, whatever it may be for you. And uh, people come fix your yard. So you got utilities. You, you got to kind of pay out of that. So you, you pay your utilities. Then uh, you got to eat, right? You got to eat. And so there's, there's food, and hopefully you don't buy a rhubarb pie, but maybe you do. <laughs> and so you, you eat and you pay for that. 
and, uh, ugh, and you drop it. That's why I brought the towel. And so, you know, you're like, okay, we're, we're doing okay, but <laughs> some of you have kids. Those boogers are expensive. <laughs> and so you got to pay for stuff for school, and you got to pay for activities. Then you got to pay, they, like they go to the doctor every week. You got to pay for medical stuff. They grow every two weeks, and so you got to buy clothes. And so there's all this stuff that you got to take care of for your, your kids. And, and so you, you do that. You there's some real big hunk there, and you pay for your kids. Um, and, and then you, you got to shop. We got to buy some things for ourselves. Maybe you love going to the movies. You got to get that, that new purse. You got you to get those new golf clubs. And so you, you do that, and you, you spend some money there. And then you're like, oh, man, I got to put some money away to save so I can move out of this place someday because I don't want to live here the rest of my life. And, and so you're trying to think about that, retirement. And, and so you, you, know, you got your 401K, and, and you pay all that. And you're like, okay, here we go. We got that, and I, I paid that. And so you, you've paid everything out. And then... Uh, and then you look and you're like, okay, here's what I got left over. Okay, well, you know what? Um, I think I'm supposed to give. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give. And it's like, okay, here, here's all I've got left. So, so maybe you give to a charity, okay? So, so maybe there's some charity. Like, okay, I'm going to give this to this charity. Or, or maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, hey, you know, I, I know I need to give the church. And you're like, all right, God, here's, here's what I got left. This, this is yours. And it's kind of this idea that, that this is what Cain's life was like. He was given the leftovers of what he had. He spent everything else for himself. He took care of himself. And then he was like, hey, God, here you go. But then on the flip side of that, we have, we have Abel. And Abel looked at this very differently. And again, this is, this is our incomes that we, we find right here. And it's apple pie. It's not rhubarb pie. And, and here's what Abel did. Abel said, okay, God, this, this is my pie. This is what you've given me. These are my sheep. These are my lambs. And you know what I'm going to do? God, I'm going to give you the first portion of this. And I'm going to say, hey, God, this is yours. Like, hey, God, that, that's yours. That's, that's for you to have. <laughs> you know what, God, here's the best part. This apple pie is warm. I just got it out of the oven. I mean, this is, I'm going to put a little ice cream on top of it. It's going <laughs> to... It's going to melt for you guys. It's going to be perfect. And God's like, I like apple pie with ice cream on top. <laughs> I mean, it's how God kind of responds. It's like, hey, thank you. This is the first part. And then here's what I think God says. God's like, hey, the rest of the pie, eat to your heart's content. This is yours. You've given me the best that you have. And I appreciate that. And I see where your heart is. And so this is yours. Eat from it. Think about it this way. Let's say you have visitors that come over to your house and you invite them to eat dinner. You have appetizers, uh, you have the meats, and then you're at the end, you're like, hey, we're going to have some dessert. And, and they're like, hey, what are we going to have? We're like, we're going to have pie. You know, we got coconut cream pie from KW. We're going to have coconut cream pie from KW. And so we're going to eat that. It's going to be great. And they're like salivating because they know what you're talking about. And they're salivating. It's amazing. And so you get the pie and you're like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start cutting it up. So you start cutting it up and you're like, I'm going to give it to my wife. And then we give it to my kid and then my other kid and my third kid. And grandma's there. I'm going to give it to my grandma. And my cousin's there. I'm going to give it to my grandma or my cousin. And then there's one more piece. And like, well, I got to eat some so I eat it and then then at the end maybe there's a little piece left and you're kind of like oh there's five of you in the family this is all we've got left that's not how we do dessert right when we have guests we're not like hey you get the leftovers we're gonna get the best no we say hey I'm gonna give you the best I I'm gonna give you the out of the oven hot apple pie with ice cream melting on it I'm gonna take the last piece which is gonna be really cold and dry and the ice cream's not gonna melt on it but that's okay because you're my guest this is what I think about you. 
See, I think when it comes to giving for many people, this is where we are. We're like, hey, these are my leftovers. But we need to be more like Abel and saying, hey, I want to give you the first that I have, God. I want to give you the best that I have. And I think when we do that, God's like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll take that. And now you can eat from the rest of that pie. When we think about giving, and I, I know in church it's a tough topic, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but this is hard for us. And I think the reason is, is three reasons, really. And, and we get this out of Cain and Abel. First part is giving, giving by faith is emotional. Do you like paying bills? I hate paying bills. Somebody said yes. <laughs> Holy cow. We need to pray for them. Um, I don't like paying bills. When the first of the month and the 15th of the month come around, I dread it. And there used to be a time when I was a bachelor, I didn't pay my bills, right? And I met this wonderful lady. Her name was Kara. And uh, we got married. And she's like, yeah, we got to change this. And she's changed my life forever in many ways. Thank you, Kara. Yep. But, um, but I don't like, like, I just want to get paid. And that total never changes. Like, I don't even buy food for the kids. I'm like, you don't have to eat for two weeks. We can just keep watching and see if, but that's not the way it works, right? We have to pay bills. We have to eat. We have to take care of ourselves. And so there's this emotional connection that's there with our money. When we have to, we don't write checks anymore. When we go online and we pay bills, it's like, oh, this is painful. This hurts. And we get angry. We get mad. Maybe, uh, you know, all these different feelings that, that we have about our money when we have to give it away to something else. Because there's this emotional connection. But think about it, if, if you win the lottery, right, and you give your 10% to church because you prayed to God that if you won the lottery, you would give that 10%. <laughs> you give your 10%, but you've got all those millions of dollars. Are you like, oh man, I really didn't want to win this. I didn't want this money. I'm just, I gotta get rid of it. This is making me angry. <laughs> no, you're excited, you're elated. Or some relative you never even knew, never even met, sent you a big old check for inheritance. You're like, wow, this is incredible. See, there's this emotional connection that we have to our money. And it's the same thing when it comes to giving. See, when we give, there's an emotional connection for us. And I think that's why many of us struggle with giving. That's why we get to this place and we're like, oh, man, I got the leftovers here. Here, God, this is kind of painful. I could, I could use that for something else, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you. And so in many ways, we're not any different than Cain here. And yet we need to be more like Abel. And I think when Abel gave, it, it wasn't out of obligation. I mean, if we go back to Hebrews, I think there was a joy there. There was this, this emotion of, of happiness, like, hey, man, I get to do this. And so giving by faith, I truly believe, is, is this emotional connection that we have. And, and we have to learn to, to do that, especially if we call ourselves followers of Jesus. Giving by faith is emotional. But giving by faith is also relational. There are two relationships that are at stake here when it comes to our giving. Um, one is the relationship we have with God. Cain's, Cain's idea of, of God was, hey, I'm going to give this to you, God, but only because I feel obligated to give to you. Like, I, I don't really even trust you with what I have, God. And so that's why I'm just going to give you the leftovers. Abel's deal was, hey, God, I, I care about you. I, I have a connection. I'm going I'm to give you the best that I have, God, because there's a trust there in, in who you are. And so it becomes this heart issue for us when there's this relationship with, with God. It's how we give and how we give to God. Notice I didn't say what we give, okay? I'm not talking about what we give. I'm talking about our heart. Is it more like Cain or more like Abel when it comes to giving to God? 
and that relationship that's there. Cain put this divide up. It caused this divide between him and God, and Abel's like, now this relationship is strong. And so there's that relationship, but there's also the relationship that we have with other people. That, that when we give, that we give by faith, there's a connection to other people. There's a relationship that we have. When you give to charities, you're giving because of what those charities are doing for other people. The top three charitable organizations in the United States uh, in terms of people given to them, the United Way, Feeding America, and AmeriCares. It's not about building, um, building some building. It's not uh, about you know, building some car. It's about people. We give because we want to see people's lives change. We give because there's a relationship there. We want to see something happen because we care for humanity. And so that's why we give to organizations like that. And for many of us, that's why we give to the church. We give to the church because we believe in who the church is. We, we believe in the relationships that are being built. We believe in a church like this, what we do on Sunday mornings is important. That the connection we have here, and what's happening downstairs and, and the, the kids area and all the kids that are down there, there's relationships that are being built. We care about those kids. We care about each other. It's why we do what we do within the community. It's why we do summer lunch bunch. It's why we do generosity feeds. It's why we did our wind shape camp. We're like, hey, we care. We love our community. There's a relationship there. These are people we may never meet, but we're okay with that because there's this eternal connection that is there, which is way bigger, honestly, than the United Way or AmeriCares or Feed America, who are doing great things. It's the church saying, hey, we care about the eternal life of people, but there's a relationship we want to see there. We want to see their relationship with God increase and grow. And so we give by faith because of the relationships. That's an important part for us. Our son Jake, uh, when he was uh, seven years old, and I've shared this in the past, uh, found out he had some heart issues. And so part of uh, them trying to figure out what was going on, he had to do a cardiac MRI. And I don't know if any of you have ever done that before, but uh, it's like two hours long. And so for a seven-year-old, thankfully they do some cool stuff. I still don't know why they don't do this for adults, but they have these goggles you put on. They can watch a movie. It's like... (laughs) I think you could do that for adults, and adults would rather go in to do the MRI than the way it's set up. But, you know, they put you in that big, long tube, and it's real hot and real close, and you can't breathe and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but they put these goggles on, and he gets to go in there, and he gets to watch this movie. But I knew it was going to be hard for him. I was like, hey, dude, here's the deal. If you make it, which I was like, two hours is crazy. If you make it, I'm going to give you 20 bucks. Probably should have given him $200. But um, he's like, okay, and he made it through. I gave him his 20 bucks, and he said, hey, Dad, I'm going to go get a couple of Wii games when we had a Wii. And it's like, sure. So he went and he spent $14 on two Wii games. And he's like, hey, Dad, I got six more dollars left. I'm like, all right, dude, that's, that's yours. He's like, I, I want to give it to the church. I'm like, what? I was like, I want to give the rest of this money. I want to give it to the church. I'm like, buddy, you don't have to do that. I was like, I mean, you still keep a big portion of it if you want to. A couple bucks would be great. He's like, no, I want to do whatever it takes to reach more people for God. Here's a seven-year-old that's saying that. Now, granted, he doesn't have income that's coming in all the time. But for him, I mean, that was big. And he's like, I want to do something with this because it's important. Because relationships were important to him. Here's a seven-year-old. It's more like Abel than Cain. And yet you and I, we struggle with which pie to eat from. Because giving by faith is not only emotional, it's also relational. But then there's this last piece. Giving by faith is spiritual. Um... If we're followers of of Jesus, part of what we learn is to have this faith and this trust in in God. And when we look at Cain and Abel, Cain's trust was in himself. It It was about me. 
Abel said, no, God, I trust you with this. I'm going to give this to you. I I want you to take care of this and take care of me. I know you're going to meet my needs. By the way, Abel did not know whether that mother sheep was ever going to have another lamb. Think about that. He says, here, God, I'm going to give you the first of the firstborn. He doesn't know if any other lambs are ever going to come from that particular sheep or any of those sheep. And yet he says, God, this is yours. And from what we can tell, God continued to bless them because of that faith and that trust. And yet for us, we're like, hey, God, here's a little bit. Here's the leftovers. And it's hard for us to kind of figure this out because of the spiritual aspect. But giving by faith, man, it is so spiritual. It is about that emotional connection we have with God. It is about that relationship that you and I have with God. It's about trust. It's about saying, God, I'm going to give you the first. And God's like, if you trust me with that, that rest of that pie, eat it to your heart's content. We have to learn that giving by faith is a spiritual thing that we do, that it is this connection and this trust that we have in God, that God will take care of our needs and the struggles and the hurt and maybe the, the pain financially we have. And I know sometimes it's so hard to do that. But God's like, hey, show me you trust me and I'll prove that I trust you with the rest. Giving by faith is emotional, it's relational, but it's also, it's spiritual. And the question for us is, are we giving our leftovers? Are we giving our our best? Some of you are here this morning and you're like, we came this day and they're talking about giving today, right? You know, others are probably thinking the church, it only talks about giving. Look, we don't talk, if you've been a part of it, we don't talk about giving a whole lot. We really, really don't. Um, we don't, uh, some of you may be saying, hey, the church is just greedy. Churches just want our money. Look, I'm not asking for $65 million so I can go buy my G6 airplane so I can fly all over the world, okay? I'm not asking for that. It's not what we do here. We talk about giving because it's such a, a, a struggle that we have. It is a, an emotional, relational, spiritual struggle that we have. And if you're here this morning, you're kind of thinking that's the kind of church we are. Listen to me. This is coming from the deepest parts of my heart. Do not give to the journey church. I mean that. If you struggle with that, if you think the church is all about greed and the church only talks about money, hey, go give your money to the United Way. Go give it to Feeding America. Go give it somewhere else. Because here's what I truly believe. There are so many people here who give the first that they have that God continues to bless the work that's going on here. And we'll continue to do that, whatever that may look like. And and so if you're like, hey, I want to give, but I don't want to give to the church then don't. Go give somewhere else. My my prayer is that over time, God works in your life and begins to change that, and you see the importance of this. Because what we do here, the impact that we are making is eternal. It it goes beyond the physical needs. It goes to the spiritual aspect of life and that connection with Christ and and helping more people take their next steps towards Jesus. And and my prayer is that as a church, we continue to do that. Because this is a hard issue for us. We all struggle with this. Do I give my leftovers? Or do I give my best? Do I trust myself or do I trust, trust God? Uh, this is also one of those moments where people think, is the church financially struggling? Is that why we're having? <laughs> and you know what? We're not. In fact, I'm going to share with you, these are just some quick numbers. 
from this past week, some of our budgetary numbers, the financial update of the jury. This is for the first six months of this year. Our budget is set at 435,000, a little bit over that. Our expenses, 420,000, and our contributions are almost $450,000 up to this point. Some of you are like, man, great, I don't have to give anymore. We're good. <laughs> but we can cut back. That's not what we're talking about, okay? Um, we'll have more detailed information coming out in the next couple of weeks in, in an email. What this tells me is that there are people in here like, hey, we're going to give our first. And this church has been doing that itself as a church. You know, we, we give our first out into the community and to our global partners because we see the impact it can make because we are all about helping people take those next steps towards Jesus. And so here's what we're doing. We're inviting you. If you're not at that place, if you're kind of in that, hey, it's my leftovers, we invite you to, to try the first. Give the first and see what God does. Man, man we, we have dreams here of impact in Fairfax County. About 90% of the people who live in this county are far from God. You know them because they live in your neighborhood. They live beside you. They're my neighbors where I am. They don't go to church anywhere. We want to plant more churches. We want to feed more kids. We want to do more things to, to leave a bigger footprint in this community. And, and when I talk to people in our community, they know who the Journey Church is because of what we do in the community. But I want to see it go beyond that. I want to see us impact lives spiritually. Not, not because it's a dream we have, but because we believe it's something God has put on our heart. And, and part of the doing, us doing that is, is being able to say, hey, we're, we're a church that believes in the gift of generosity. And we give because our heart is in the right place. And we're giving out of Abel's pie and not Cain's. Maybe for you, that's the question to answer today. What, what pie are you eating from? What, what pie are you dishing out from? Is it Cain's pie and the leftovers? Or it's Abel's pie? And we're giving our first to God because we trust that God will do amazing things with it. Every Sunday here at The Journey, we come here and we take communion as a, as a church community to, to remind us that this is an eternal mission we are on. Yeah, we, we want to feed more kids here in Springfield. We, we want to do more to impact lives here in our community and across the globe. But, but this is this is an eternal mission that you and I are on together. We're followers of Christ. And the only reason we do that, the only reason that we're able to trust God and what we have is because God's like, hey, I want to give to you first. And God said, I'm going to give you my son. God gave everything. He said, I'm going to give my son to you. And so we celebrate that every single Sunday here at The Journey as we take this bread and as we take this juice.